0: It's the players who'll need to step up in a way, in a way, maybe not just yet. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacvic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins that I hope you'll also check out. Yesterday's show, I was discussing... Recent comments made by Mitch Keller, a couple other players about how they're now getting excited about Andrew McCutcheon being here, other veterans who've been signed, Carlos Santana, G Man Choi, uh, veterans who've been brought on, as well as some remarks that have been made by Derek Shelton, by Ben Charrington about how this is the time, now is the time to win. And as I neared the end of the segment, I realized that. What I really wanted to share with you wasn't going to happen without me bumping my head on the the ceiling clock. So what I've got for you today is more of a more of an anecdotal thing that goes back a few years because there was a time under this owner when there was a very real commitment to the roster and on top of that, there was a very real success that occurred on the field. Anyone will tell you that regular season success in its own way supersedes playoff success in baseball just because of the incredible gruel of 162 games for the Pirates to make it to the playoffs three years in a row and in a third of those years to win 98 games. That's, <laughs> that's pretty good stuff. Along the way... They had their three highest payrolls of the Bob Nutting tenure, and also their three biggest profit margins. Okay, I'm just throwing that one in parenthetically, but stick with me. How did that come to happen? Well, as you might expect, it wasn't something that emanated from above. I've said over and over and over again that the biggest and most valid criticism that exists regarding nutting is one that you never hear. It's not that he's super cheap or that he's evil. I'm gonna try to do the uh, the SpongeBob was that Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy when they were evil. He's not that. Okay, he's just not. A, he's not some bad guy. What he is, I believe, is a bad owner, meaning he doesn't take control of things. He doesn't instigate things. He hires people, and he waits for them to do things. He delegates to an extreme fault. Well, in 2012 and 2013, when it started to become clear that this team was getting good, when they had the young MVP-level Cutch, and they had Neil Walker, and everyone still thought Pedro Alvarez was going to be a guy, and they'd added A.J. Burnett and Russell Martin, and it was it was a good team. Jason Grilley comes in and closes. The fort is in as your other catcher, Michael McHenry. I could go around the whole diamond, but more was needed in order to compete for, say it with me, because it's a term that doesn't get used very often on this show, World Series. That's what they wanted. The people in that clubhouse wanted to win a World Series. They spoke about it in there to each other openly. Any of them will tell you this now. The manager wanted to win a World Series. His coaching staff wanted to win a World Series. And because they had the right mix of players, in essence, a room full of leaders. There's a mythology now about how A.J. Burnett came in and was the real leader in there. It's not true. A.J. was a leader in there. Kutch was a leader in there. Grilly was in his own way with that group. Francisco Liriano was the leader of the Latin American guys. They had a bunch of them, and Because they were good and they had all that character, they felt comfortable making a lot of noise internally about how that team needed to get better and what kind of commitment they were expecting from above. And they communicated that, and Clint Hurdle communicated that. And they did so to Neil Huntington. And he listened. And he took those on high, and it was from there that you saw the team bring in a bunch of guys. Really, in in, in hindsight, some big names. They were later in their careers, but still, Justin Morneau was an American League MVP. Aramis Ramirez came back. Joaquim Soria, remember that? And they they were in their thirties, but they you know they weren't ready for the trash heap. You know they could still play, and they cost money they did cost money not as much as if they'd been with the team the whole season obviously you pay prorated but there was a very real commitment that was made by management and ownership to add to all three of those teams again there's all kinds of you know misperceptions and false narratives about this after the fact go back and look at the rosters go back and look at the payrolls all three of them topped 100 million but I am here to tell you, unequivocally, not guessing at this, and any of the former players, the guys who were on those teams, who'd be listening to this, would be nodding their heads because they know they were the ones that made that happen at ground level. This team, currently, the 2023 team, is going to need to establish some of that. It was not anywhere in sight in 2022, and I'm talking about at the player level, where there'd be players who'd be a little bit disgruntled, a little bit unhappy with what's happening at the ownership level or the management level or all these waiver wire guys coming in. Nobody ever complained in there. Some of that's going to have to start happening. You can't have a clubhouse of 25 happy dudes and think that they're going to win. It just doesn't work like that. They have to demand more of themselves, of each other, and yes, of a naturally passive upper management and ownership. When we come back, J1Q. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's J1Q comes from JP, who says, DK, you got to believe that it's Rodolfo Castro's position to lose at second base until further notice, or basically until he loses the position due to poor play. What are your thoughts on that? I believe that he's going to get a fair shot. That's my first thought. Regardless of what it is that I think they should do, I believe that he will. Get a fair shot from Shelton. I really do. I I think you're going to see him have regular, everyday at-bats at second base and have the opportunity to show that he can add, in particular, to his offensive arsenal. That's the main thing here. He's not going to be some gold-glove second baseman. He can make the occasional uh, splash play, but he's also going to butcher some. He just is. Where he needs to establish himself, and and really, this isn't just for the Pirates, I mean, for his own career, is at the plate. Is this one thing to hit you know, five home runs in your first five games, whatever, and all that other stuff, and he's got the pop, and every once in a while, he'll run into one, and everyone gets all excited, whoa, power hitting second baseman, but he doesn't produce anywhere near enough overall. And... I'm not just talking about striking out or low batting average here. I'm talking about he doesn't get on base. And in large part, they're very much related, of course, because if he's being more selective at the plate, if he learns nothing more than the same lesson that his best bud O'Neill Cruz did over the course of the past summer, he'll be fine. What really changed for Cruz in mid-August? What happened that flipped the switch for him? Well, he stopped flailing at pitches that were seven feet outside and in the dirt. It wasn't much more complicated than that. I'm not making it sound like hitting in the majors is easy. But the solution was that clear. It was that obvious. And he began working toward it. That's to his credit. And I'll even give a tip of the cap to Andy Haynes here that it got done. But it has to happen with Castro. If he's more selective, the violence of his swing the path that he's got, the trajectory that he's got, he's going to hit home runs. He's going to hit a lot more home runs, but he'll also be a lot better at just getting on base, whether it's from the walk or whether it's just working counts deep, forcing the pitcher to throw you a bad pitch because now he's in your count. All of that has to happen. It's all, 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 I believe, in Castro's hands to address your question here, because if you're referring to, and I think you are with the beginning of what you asked there, that what happens when you know Nick Gonzalez comes along or Leo Verpiguerro comes along and they're at second base as well, it won't matter. It won't matter. You're not going to have an overload of prospects or young guys at a position. If Castro takes the position and owns it and owns it, Well, that's when you've got yourself a really nice trade commodity in one or more of those kids. That's a perfect scenario. That's basically Tampa Bay baseball when it's condensed down to it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We will do another one of these tomorrow.